Well, we are continuing a message series that uh, we started a couple of weeks ago on the book that uh, Tamara gave our churches last fall at the Charge Conference. It's a book called Shift, and it talks about five shifts that every church uh, needs to make to be more effective in not only reaching people who don't yet know Jesus Christ, but also uh, building up one another to maturity in the faith. And two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the shift from hospitality, uh, from fellowship to hospitality. Then last week, we talked about the shift from seeing worship as an event, something that we do on Sunday, to, to worship, seeing worship as a lifestyle. And this morning, we're going to talk about the shift from membership to discipleship. And the author in the book uh, isn't dissing or dissuading uh, us from membership. He's inviting us to see membership as um, a commitment to discipleship. And this is a very different picture of membership than what we get from the culture uh, uh, around us. Membership in the secular realm often is associated with privilege and entitlement, isn't it? I mean, if you become a member of a country club, then there are expectations that come with that, that you're going to be entitled to use the golf course and that maybe you'll uh, have free access to the banquet facility for your child's wedding or something along that kind of lane, l- line. There's some privileges that come with membership. And if you're a member at the yacht club, then you know there's some expectations that when you sit down in the dining room, that the only people that are going to get through the gate to, to set in the tables around you uh, have a certain level or status about them that, that's similar to your status. And along with that comes the um, entitlement to a slip for your yacht and you know a place to park your car and those kinds of things. Membership outside the walls of the church is often associated with limited access to outsiders, Right. Who has a membership to Sam's Club? <laughs> you only get in with that little ID, you know. That's more my level than the Yacht Club. But And there are privileges and benefits that are associated with membership that aren't available to those on the outside who haven't paid their dues. But you can imagine then if that kind of uh, thought process and those kinds of understandings of membership are brought into the church, what kind of an effect that would have on a church. And, you know, you don't see a lot of churches where people are sitting around in lounge chairs waiting for people to bring them lemonades. But we, we hear stories about people who get grumpy when someone takes their pew. Uh, no one in this church, right? And stories of churches that, you know, give judgmental stares or... Um, put up barriers uh, to people coming into the church, making limited access to the church. Membership without discipleship is deadly for the church. So this morning we're going to look at what discipleship is, talk about how we can, as members of the body of Christ, whether you're a member of this church or not, be more fully devoted to becoming like Christ and a disciple of Christ. So we're going to start with a definition or understanding of what discipleship is. I tried to make this as simple as possible so that you would remember it. But 
Um, and this is our focus for today. Discipleship is the process of growing to become more like Jesus Christ. In, in Jesus' day, a disciple was someone who followed a teacher with the purpose of becoming like that person. They wanted to be like them in their character, wanted to do the things that they taught, make that a part of their life. A disciple of Jesus Christ, then, is someone who is becoming like Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 John 2.6 says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Christ did. And then in Luke 6, we read, uh, and these are Jesus' words, A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he's been fully trained, that's the practicing that Forrest was talking about, will be like his teacher. So the shift then um, that we're talking about here is seeing membership as a position of entitlement or privilege to membership uh, as a commitment to lifelong growth. Uh, when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you become a new creation. You, you are given a new kind of life. But learning to live that life in the way that Jesus lived it uh, takes practice. It's a lifelong pursuit of growth. And I want to talk to you real quickly about two key things that we need to understand about this growth that we're talking about today. And the first is that it's growth that's inspired and led by the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, this is in your notes there. It's not something that you're going to produce in yourself. It's not like uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and get going. This is something that the Holy Spirit does in us. Our memory verse for this week comes from Galatians 2.20. So let's read it together. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Christ lives in in you. And the Holy Spirit as working is at work in your life to transform you to help you to become more like Jesus Christ. That's his goal. It's the Holy Spirit who nudges you when uh, you know you've been critical or lost your temper with a spouse and urges you to forgive and to uh, try to uh, submit yourself more to his leadership in your life. It's the Holy Spirit that is prodding you to respond to a message uh, on Sunday morning. It's the Holy Spirit that is uh, helping you to take those faith steps that you need to take to grow in faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit is working you to transform you and become more like Jesus Christ. So one of the most important things that we can do as disciples of Jesus Christ is to learn to listen to and respond to the Holy Spirit. We talked about this some last week when we were um, talking about worship as a lifestyle, that this is an important piece in um, our discipleship, is to listen to his guidance and allow the Holy Spirit to shape and transform you. Then the second key to understanding this growth that we're talking about today is that growth requires a commitment. This is a growth that requires a commitment. 
And, you know, if I want to build um, muscle mass, then I have to do the kinds of things that build muscles, right? I can't just read history books about bodybuilding. <laughs> I can't memorize quotes from bodybuilders, right? It won't help me to get in a small group with other people who are researching exercise equipment. I actually have to begin to lift weights, right? Or make out some time in my schedule to, um, for a Zumba class or buy a kettleball or something, you know, and use it. I have a treadmill. It does nothing to build body mass unless I get on it. You have to do something that causes muscle to grow, right? And growth as a disciple of Jesus Christ is intentional commitments to do the things that cause spiritual growth. And we grow by making commitments. And that's why in the United Methodist Church we have vows. Our vows are guidelines that help us to know what kinds of commitments we need to make to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. So this morning I want to um, look at these vows. And I know that, you know, there are some of you who are here who are not members of the church, but you are members of the body of Christ. Your baptism uh, was your initiation into the body of Christ. So all the things that we're going to talk about this morning... They apply to everybody here, anyone who's following Jesus Christ, a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. The only people that get left off, let off the hook on this this morning are those who are still exploring faith. So this just gives you kind of a picture of um, the things that we're practicing as, as Christians. So um, we're going to do something a little different today. And that's why I had... Keith, bring this up for me. I've got a basket full of uh, props, I guess, or memory aids, I guess is a better thing to call them. And, you know, usually on a Sunday I will bring a message, and then on the back of your connection card there's some ways to respond. Those are ways to help you grow spiritually. What I'm asking today is that you find an area, identify an area of your uh, spiritual growth of, that is related to these membership vows that you're going to grow in this coming year. That you're going to uh, be intentional about growth in that area of your membership, uh, membership in the body of Christ and membership in the church. So what I've done is each, there's several of these little packets, one representing every uh, area of the um, membership vows. So what we got up here is a Lego, a sponge, two coins, and one admit ticket. So as we go through these um, vows of the member of membership in the church, what I want you to do is there's a little box or a little line next to each of them. And if that's an area that, you know, that's a weakness for you, that's an area of growth for you, then maybe you want to check that. What I want you to do is make note of what you're looking for when you leave today, okay? And these are going to be your reminder throughout the year. Put it someplace in your pocket, in your, on your refrigerator, whatever, to remind you this is the area I'm working at on my discipleship this year. So we're going to talk through each of these as we go. 
And one of the things about our membership vows is they're kind of vague in application. They, you know, you're making a commitment to pray for the church. You're making a commitment to, to witness. Um, but it doesn't tell you how to do that or how to apply it to your life. So that's where this is going to come in today. This gives you some concrete faith steps that you can take in 2015 to grow as a disciple and as a member in our church. So we're going to look at these together. If you don't already have your message notes out, you probably want to get those out. And the first commitment that we make when we join the church, become a member of the church, but again, these are all things that disciples of Jesus should do, is a commitment to support the church by our prayers. And I'm not going to say a great deal about this because um, at the beginning of the year, you'll remember, I'm sure, uh, a sermon that I did where everybody got a bookmark that has five prayers for your church on it. So you've already been invited to pray for your church uh, throughout the year, these five prayers. These are things that we're praying together for our church. And this is one of the very practical ways that you can fulfill your membership vows by praying these prayers for your church. And specifically, I ask that you would pray these at least once a week, that either you're going to pray them all at one setting or, or you're going to pray one of them a day. But there are, I think there are some other ways that you can um, be more intentional about prayer for your church. You can take that, the message notes and uh, the insert in your uh, bulletin that has a list of prayer requests. Pray for those throughout the week. You might want to call one of the shut-ins and ask, how can I pray for you this week? You can make a list of uh, two or three people that you know that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that you're going to be praying for this year and see what God will do through that. Then um, prayer changes things and everybody can pray. Then the second thing uh, is my presence. You know, support the church with my presence. And just take a minute to kind of look around yourself. And there are a lot of people missing today. I was getting texts before church. Uh, You know, I've got strep throat. I've got the flu. I don't want to expose people. So, But look around yourself. And these are the people that God has given you to help you to grow up in the faith. And you have been given to them to help them grow in the faith. Your presence matters. Um, Everyone knows what a selfie is, right? It's a picture you take of yourself with your cell phone, and you hold it at arm's length and take a picture of yourself. And now they have, like, these sticks so you can get more of yourself, but, you know, get further away, take a bigger picture. Yeah, show everybody your whole outfit. You know, I don't know. And they're great ways to to create moments, to uh, uh, express yourself and what mood you're in today and that kind of thing. But the focus on me, myself, and I in the church... (laughs) just doesn't get it. Discipleship is about relationship, and relationship uh, happens with real people and by being present to people. And the bottom line when it comes to spiritual growth and becoming more and more like Jesus Christ is that growth happens best in community. And you might want to write that somewhere on your notes. Growth happens best in community. The writer of the book of Hebrews put it this way, And let us not neglect our meeting together, 
as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. Uh, to grow, you have to put yourself in those places where God speaks, um, where he, you can hear him <laughs> nudging you to tweak this or to do an overhaul here. And that means being present in worship, uh, being part of a small group, and being available to others to encourage them and help them in their spiritual growth throughout the week. So this might be an area where God has already been speaking to you, that you know your attendance and worship has not been that great or been sporadic, and, and God's already speaking to you about uh, being more intentional uh, with that, and this is an opportunity to do that. If that's you, you're looking for the admit one ticket when you, when you go out the door. This is uh, your reminder this year to show up and you know put it in your billfold. Maybe you want to put it, tape it on the television so you don't stay up so late Saturday night watching movies or whatever it is. Um, but that's what you're looking for. Then the third commitment is uh, a commitment to support the church in my giving. And when we go through the membership class, the step that I ask people to take is to take one step in, up in their giving. So if they're not giving or giving sporadically, I ask them to become a regular giver. And if they're giving regularly, then I ask them to take the step to percentage giving with the goal of moving towards uh, a tithe. And in Matthew uh, six twenty one, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to have a heart that's fully devoted to God, then start giving. Um, your heart follows your treasure. And, you know, we, we just had a stewardship series a couple of months ago, so all, most of you have made a step of faith already, or I hope that you have. Uh, but one thing that I would like to ask you to do this morning is, um, and in the coming weeks, this new service that we're starting is going to um, bring with it some additional costs. And so the Administrative Council decided to take a special offering for that uh, out here in a few weeks. So if you would begin to pray about what you could put aside for that offering, uh, I think that would be another way that you can participate and grow in your giving this year. Um, in that case, uh, you would look for the ones that have two pennies in it, all right? And take that with you maybe as a reminder that you're putting away money for that special offering for our service. All right, then the second or the fourth commitment is to service. Uh, Jesus' call to follow him is a call to serve one another, to empty ourselves in serving. And Wayne Cordario... Um, illustrates this with a sponge and uh, the idea that if you put the sponge in the water, uh, after a few minutes, it's fully saturated, right? If I leave that in there for an hour, is it going to absorb anything more? No. If I, I leave it there a day, is it going to get any? No. If I leave it there all week, is it going to? No, it isn't. Uh, if I put this in a Ziploc bag, take it home with me to enjoy <laughs> all week, you know, put it in the freezer, use it as an ice pack, get everything out of it that I can, bring it back next week and put it in a bowl. Is it going to absorb any more? No. 
the only way that this sponge can become absorbent again is if we squeeze it out, right? And the way that we get squoes out in our lives is through service, uh, serving other people. And um, when we do that, when we go out and we serve others, then our heart becomes restored. We are able to see the needs of others and less focus on our own self. And God does all kinds of stuff through us. Uh, look what Jesus said on the night when, uh, before he was crucified, just after he had washed his disciples' feet. He says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. So he's saying, he, he mentions that teacher, you know, and when you're a disciple, you do what your teacher does, and he says, you also should wash one another's feet. You can't be like Jesus without serving. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be serving uh, at least once a week in your church in some way, finding a way if, there's, you know, if you're able to do that. Uh, even in prayer, right? Prayer is serving. Uh, and then at least once a month in the community. And there's lots of opportunities to do that. We've got the free store. We've got the food bank, the Salvation Army. Uh, we just, uh, two weeks ago, or last week, I guess, had our member care meeting where we organized a team of people to take communion out to shut-ins. If you missed that meeting, you can still be a part of that. We'll... Uh, make sure you learn how to do that. But those are some great, great ways to reach out and to serve in the community around you. And if that's an area that you are uh, needing to step up and grow in, look for the sponge up here or in the basket today. All right, and then the fifth and last way. Uh, this actually was just added to our membership vows at the last general conference, and it, but it's so important to the vitality of the church, and that's to support the church with my witness. And, you know, I'm kind of glad that this one, this one comes last, because I think there's uh, likely some of you who have been, you know, yep, uh, I'm praying for my church, yep, I'm in worship, yep, I'm in a small group, yep, I tithe, and, um, and if that's you, I just want to say thank you today. <laughs> I really appreciate you. You get it that there, that discipleship makes, uh, comes with commitment and that you've made commitments. You're listening to God. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and to um, be involved in the work that the church is doing. But I, I want to challenge you with this last one because I think that this is an area that we all can use some improvement. And that's in are um, reaching out and building relationships with other people. When we talk about discipleship, possibly the defining characteristic of a disciple is someone who makes other disciples. And um, the thing about that is, though, that if we just make disciples, we'll fall short of a vital church. We need to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And uh, you'll see this in Paul's instructions to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, where he says, And the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, 
So the things you've heard me teach, entrust to reliable people, teach them to other people who will also be qualified to teach others. So make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And uh, that's our commission to go and make disciples. In order to do this, we really need to focus on two areas. The first is building relationships with people who are not yet a part of the church or not yet in relationship with Jesus Christ. Help them get connected to Jesus and to the church and then build them up, equip them to send them out uh, to make disciples. And I think this is an area where we can all grow. I, most of us are not very good at building relationships outside of the church. We, our friends tend to be those people that are sitting around us on Sunday morning. Uh, one of the goals that I listed with Tamara this year was to make at least one friendship relationship with somebody outside of the church. And that's challenging for me because I spend so much time with people in two churches. So, and, and now with a third service. But I think it's so important that we all do this, and I want to encourage you to do it. The, you're much more likely to be able to help someone get connected to God if you have a friendship with them and build that relationship. So the visual aid that I chose for this is a Lego block. Uh, and this is a reminder to build relationships with people outside of the church. But some of you also have the gifts and the ability to come alongside a new believer and grow them up and help them to be sent out into the world to serve and, and to make disciples. All right. So that, that gets us through the five uh, commitments as members of the body of Christ. Now, why do we want to do any of this? You know, why should you stop and pick up one of these packets as you leave today? Well, the first reason is because Jesus gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. And our response is to give our lives back to him. I want to take you back to our memory verse. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith, by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. Jesus gave his life for me. How can I give any less back to him? And then the second reason is really uh, quite simple. We need to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ in the likeness of Christ because the world around us, the community around us, the people around us need Jesus. And I want to tell a story that uh, I told a few of you the other night. It's the story of a young man and a young woman who met at college. And they were both Christians. They grew up in Christian homes. In fact, one of the the, the young man was uh, studying to be in the ministry. But at some point, he began to question whether or not his faith was his faith or his parents' faith. And he got in with some guys in the dorm who were drinking and partying and pranking and, and got into some pretty heavy drinking. And at one point, he was expelled from college uh, for drinking in his dorm room. Uh, and then later on, he was in a drinking and driving accident. And that accident kind of turned his life around, and 
um, not a, around, but woke him up to uh, some things. And um, he and his girlfriend got married. But everything was pretty rocky from the very beginning. They had a lot of anger issues and some things that they had done to hurt each other. And so there was this animosity between them. And they were both pretty stubborn and unforgiving. And much of the time, um, much of the time, so there was this emotional wall that began to be built between them. And they had three boys together, uh, great kids, and, and they both loved them, and that kind of was the thing that held them together. But their marriage was marked by criticism and meanness towards each other, and just this cycle of hurts and digs. And after 15 years of being in a relationship that just wasn't what the husband had hoped for in marriage, he decided that he wanted out, that he was uh, done. And when his wife heard um, that he wanted a divorce, she ran out and hired a lawyer first and, and uh, filed for divorce. And the kids are just watching as the world falls apart around them. And then a friend suggested, um, why don't you come to church with me? And there was this new church that was starting in town, and it had a great band. And um, he said, the pastor's not that charismatic of a preacher, but he loves Jesus. And he's real, and he's authentic. And so the husband went by himself the first week, and he liked it. The band was, uh, between the four of them, had about 90 years of experience playing in bars prior to coming to faith and the music was great and the message hit home so the next week he took his wife with him and uh, they went again the next week and the week after that and then his wife got into a small group at the pastor's home and each week they would come home from worship and they would look at each other and, and go is that guy looking in our windows or something he's speaking right to us and healing began and they started talking to each other about what kind of marriage they wanted. And they began praying together and forgiving each for other for a lot of stuff that didn't get mentioned here today because it's not my story to tell. But God softened and transformed their hearts. He did a miracle in their marriage. And a marriage that would have ended in divorce was turned around and a family was held together because a church... Uh, a group of people stepped out in faith to, to start a church. And the reason that I'm so passionate about the new service that we're starting and willing to make the sacrifices that comes with that is because the young man in this story is my son. And I am so thankful for that church and for that pastor. I pray for them because... If they hadn't started that church, our, our, Sean and Libby would have never walked into a traditional church. They, they had no interest in that. But they were willing to give a service like the one that we're starting a chance. And, you know, we all know people who are looking for this kind of service and the friendships that we have in here on Sunday morning. But I tell you that story because their hearts were transformed. It's not that they're just trying to like each other more. It's not that they're, you know, trying to get along. They love each other. And when I went up there, um, this has been a year now, when, when we went up at Christmas, 
to, to see the way that they care for each other and the excitement that they have for the church and the things that God is doing through them. They both work in the recovering community. Um, and uh, they're bringing people into the church right and left and seeing people baptized every week in that church. God is using them in, in amazing ways. And, and, but the main thing for me is to watch how they build each other up and care for each other. In 15 years of going up there every <laughs> Christmas, it was just, you know, torture and to see the tension and the hate. Uh, and God has transformed them. And God is in the transformation business, and he wants to transform your heart. He wants to transform your life. And he wants to transform the lives of other people's sons and daughters. And as we allow God to transform us and make us more like his son, Jesus Christ, and become passionate about who he is and what he's called us to do, then we'll be able to be here for other people's sons and daughters, for your sons and daughters, for your grandchildren. And as we do this and make this shift from thinking it's all about me to what can we do together as members of the body of Christ to be, make ourselves available for the transformation of the world, for the transformation of the people that God has put around us, then we will see God do great things through us. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I, I thank you and I praise you for this church. And for the amazing steps of faith that I've seen many of them take in their own personal lives, but also, God, the step of faith that we're taking right now as we start this new service. And I pray for fruit from it. I pray for your transforming power in our lives, that you would, God, help us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. Because I know that as our lives reflect Jesus, um, that... People will notice that, and we will see life transformation every week um, in this church, God. And I thank you and praise you for every person. I pray that you'll speak right now into their hearts to speak to them about the area that you're calling them to grow in this year. And I ask that you'll give them the power through your Holy Spirit to do that. We pray it in Jesus' name.